You're listening to the Bethel Community Church Podcast. Our podcast normally showcases our weekly sermons here in Chicago at 7601 West Foster. Now, podcasts are great, but they do not replace the care and community you receive from the local church or from your local pastor. So we encourage you to come, join our community, or contact us to help you find a community in your area. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you listen. Enjoy. Imagine the chaos, small town, narrow streets, nestled into the coastline of the Sea of Galilee, people pressing in. There's excitement and there's urgency, and in some cases, there's desperation to see Jesus. They've heard the stories. Will they get to see what they've heard about? Some people have already seen in a different town, and they're following him around. Will they get to see it again? What will he say this time? One man is the focus. People just trying to see him, just trying to hear him. It says they're pressing in. And Jesus is there, and he's right at the edge of the lake, right at the Sea of Galilee. Now, this this. Sea of Galilee, we say sea, but it really is more of a lake. You can see across it. It's about eight miles across on a clear day. You have no issue looking across, seeing the other side. A hilly and mountainous landscape with some green patches, but a lot of brown desert earth that you would see. And as you look around, you would see small towns on the coastline around this lake. Jesus is standing there and teaching the word of God, and people are pressing in, and it's hard to hear. There's so many people, and there's no microphone. And if someone was just talking or moving or rustling next to you, it would make it even harder to hear the voice of Jesus, or there's wind in the natural elements. You're outside. If Jesus looks this way, it's harder to hear, and people are pressing in, and they're trying to see. People are probably passing by seeing the crowd and joining in just to see what is going on here. In verse 2, it says, Jesus notices two boats that are in the lake. Now, this is very commonplace. Boats are everywhere for these people. It's a way of life. Whether you're traveling across the lake to get to another town or whether it's your profession in your life to go out fishing and get food for the people of the town Boats are everywhere, so it's not uncommon or strange that Jesus sees these two boats. He just takes notice of it. You'll see there, though, as it talks about the boats, it says, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Fishermen would go out and they would, they would fish all night, put in all these long hours for fishing, and then afterwards they would spend the time to clean their nets mend their nets, restore their nets so that they were ready for the next day out here. Here's what you have to see from this, though. He sees the boat. The fishermen are there, but they're busy. They have their own agenda. They have their task. They have their work, which I think is really interesting because there's pandemonium happening everywhere around them. All these people pressing in, and and these fishermen, they're still working on their nets. They're still cleaning their nets, and they're not in their boats. They've continued their work. 
Jesus makes his way past all these people pressing in, and he gets to the boats, and he steps inside one of them. And verse 3 tells us, as he gets inside of them, it actually clarifies that this is the boat of Simon. Now, Simon is not a new character in this story. We actually have already met Simon earlier in the book of Luke. Jesus has already spent time with this guy. After casting out a demon in in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus actually goes to Simon's house and heals Simon's mother-in-law. Simon has already experienced the work of Jesus. He's well aware of the awe and the astonishment and the authority of Jesus. He saw it firsthand. Jesus has been in his house. And that's the boat that he steps inside of that day. And as he steps inside the boat, he makes a request. Look at the text. This is really important. And it's kind of a pop quiz for you based on something I said earlier today. I'm going to read verse 3 and see if something stands out based on something I said earlier. That's way too vague. I've not helped you for this pop quiz, but let's try it anyways. Okay, verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Anything stick out to you about that based on something that I said was really important about studying the book of Luke? It's a really vague question. I'm sorry. He asked. It is with that, but there's no quotes. It's not direct dialogue. And that's important, and we're going to see that later in it. But Jesus says something, but Luke does not bother to put the exact quote in. It's just referencing the ask. I've told you before, the dialogue is big, and it helps us zoom into what matters and what the passage is about. And here, Jesus speaks, but we don't have the dialogue directly quoted. Luke is waiting. Hear me on this. Luke is waiting to use the words of Jesus. The request to put the boat out a bit Jesus is going to use natural acoustics to speak to this crowd and talk to them. Growing up, my grandparents had a a house that was on a lake. And um, there would be times when I'd be up early in the morning and there'd be fishermen out in their boat. They'd be 50 yards off land. And they're talking, and I can hear everything that they're saying. And it's not because I'm nosy. Maybe a little nosy. But it's mostly because... The, the sound carries over the water, right? You ever been somewhere before and you, you, you can hear something just plain as day? It just travels. There's no barriers. There's no boundaries. There's nothing stopping it. The sound just carries over the water perfectly. And so Jesus is going to use this natural acoustics like an amphitheater to push the boats out a little bit to be able to speak to this crowd. This request to Simon, though, think about it for a second with me. Now, I get that he's healed Simon's mother-in-law. So maybe Simon feels like he owes Jesus one, okay? But put yourself in Simon's sandals for a second, okay? The man just worked all night long. He's doing the dirty work of cleaning the nets. He has a list of what he has to get done. This is livelihood. This is job. Time is money. He's got a job to do, and he's got fish to get out. Oh, wait, he didn't catch fish. We're going to get to that in a second. He's got stuff to do. He's focused. He has his agenda. He has his plan and what he's doing. And here in the midst of it, the exhaustion, and Jesus goes, hey, can we use your boat? He's like, what? I was cleaning my nets. He doesn't say that. 
Amidst all the reasons I could think of of why he would not want to use his boat and push his boat out for Jesus, he does for Jesus. And verse 3 closes with Jesus sitting down and teaching from the boat. Things have gotten a little bit more relaxed. He's sitting. He settles in to teach. The people are at water's edge, all listening with this natural amphitheater created. Look at verse 4. It says, and when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Pop quiz question two, what do you notice about that? That's, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second for sure. It's quotations. Now we get the words of Jesus that are said, and here it says, when he finished speaking, we don't hear a word about what Jesus taught, which might feel a little bit awkward to a church to think about because we're like, hey, Luke, why don't you tell us what Jesus taught to all these people? Jesus' teaching seems pretty important. What were the words that he spoke to the crowd? We don't know, but when we are given the words of Jesus, it's to push the boat out a little bit further. It tells us that the big point has nothing to do with his teaching in that moment. This passage is going to be pushing us to something else. It actually has nothing to do with the crowd and what's happening with the crowd. It has everything to do with what's going to happen between Simon and Jesus. The quote between Simon and Jesus. He finishes teaching the crowd. He turns back to Simon and he speaks to him in its quote. And he says, put out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Now, Jesus has already asked Simon to put his boat out a little bit further, right? But that part was not quoted. Now, the same basic request, but to put it out further, is quoted. Hang on to that. There's something here that's happening, and it's not about his teaching. It's about what's going to happen now. This request of Jesus has all sorts of strangeness to it that Jeff was picking up on, though. First of all, Simon thought he was helping Jesus by letting Jesus teach from his boat. And now that that has ended, Jesus has said, well, actually, I want to help you. Also, think about Jesus giving Simon fishing advice. Jesus is a carpenter. Simon is a fisherman. Why should Simon listen to Jesus about fishing strategy? Think about how strange that would be. Like, Mike, if I came to you, I was like, hey, big snow is coming. Do you mind if I, like, help you think through some of your strategy for plowing? You'd be like, listen, I've been doing this for a while. Why don't you do your thing? I'll do my thing. Any one of you guys, like, carpentry guys saying, hey, why don't you push out a little bit further? But on top of that, Jesus is telling Simon to do the exact opposite thing that he should be doing at, the, at that time. Pushing out into the deep was the wrong place to go fishing. Normally the fishermen would stay more shallow where they could put their nets and catch the fish in. To go out deeper, the fish are deeper, the nets aren't reaching. It makes no logical sense to go out deeper. And on top of that, it's at a time of the day that you don't go out fishing. They're going to look foolish out there fishing because anyone who's fishing, they already did it during the night or the early morning. No other fisherman is out there doing it. No other fisherman would go to that place to go fishing at that time to go fishing. And here's Jesus saying, hey, I am not a fisherman, but I'm going to tell you, professional, second-generation fisherman, why don't you push out further and do it out there? 
on top of all of that. Simon is tired. He's already been trying to do it. He's fished all night, and now this carpenter is telling him what to do. Hear me on this. Simon has every reason to question Jesus. He has every reason to tell him no. He has every reason not to follow the directions or the requests of Jesus. They don't make sense. They don't make sense according to Simon's experience. They don't make sense according to what every other fisherman would say. It's not what he's planned to do with his day. He's planned to clean his nets, carry on with his day. It's probably not what he feels like doing, exhausted, having done this all night long. And yet, this is the request. Can you imagine the moment? Them standing there, Jesus looking at them, telling him to do something that makes no sense. Simon responds in verse 5 with this. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the net. There's another reason why this makes no sense to do this now. The fish are not biting. It's not one of those days. They've been out all night long. You really going to go back out there? You really want me to get my nets dirty again? I'm going to have to start over my whole process of cleaning them. Are we really going to step back into what was likely frustration of all night catching nothing? Sometimes the calling of God won't make sense according to your experience, according to your plans, according to your desires. And in that moment, Simon says, at your word. See, the word of Jesus had already shown itself as special. There was something there. And Simon says, at your word, I will do what seems strange, impossible, or difficult. At your word, I'll do it. So they do. And they push out. I'm wondering if they're looking around at who is going to see them. I'm wondering if they're expectant. Or if they think that they're just doing this to entertain what Jesus said. But they go out, they let down their nets, and something happens. Fish begin to fill the net. They've done the same action all night with the same effect of putting the net in and pulling it through with no resistance. And now, now they put it down and there is resistance. Their arms feel the different tug and the pull that was familiar, familiar enough that they had hoped for all night. And now they feel that feeling and there actually are fish there. Imagine the surprise and the new feeling in your arms and the exhilaration as you see fish starting to fill the nets. But they're not pulling in just a couple of fish. It says in verse 6, a large number of fish. This is a big catch. But we get another detail. It says that the catch is so big that their nets are beginning to break. These nets are battle-tested. They've done this time and time again. They're made for this. They're built for this. They're supposed to be doing this. So the fact that it's breaking under the pressure of these fish tell us that this is something beyond the expectation 
of what they would get. There's an abundance here that the nets could not handle. Hear me on this. The request of Jesus seems impossible, and now the, the result of his directive is also impossible. You see that? It seemed silly and impossible what he was asking them to do, and now the result is such an enormous abundance of fish that now that seems impossible to carry the weight of what exactly their doubt could have been in the beginning. The nets are breaking. It goes from joy of a catch to feeling overwhelmed, seeing your net break to seeing fish escape. Now, what is Jesus doing in this moment? It doesn't say. We don't know. The story is focusing on the fishermen and their scramble to adjust to the abundance that is coming in through their catch. Look at verse 7. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both, boat, both boats, so they began to sink. These boats are made for this. It's what they do every single day. But this is not every single day. Something is happening here, and it's different from any other experience that they've had. I can imagine the joy filling the hearts and the excitement and the shock and the awe. that They start to experience this moment, but that story zooms back. It's like, hey, this is, this is a... This is a problem here. They're starting to sink. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's the response. After seeing everything that, that poured in and, and, and the abundance, hear me on this. This ain't about fish anymore. This ain't about fish. And they're starting to understand. It's like, whoa, look at all this. You guys got to come. There's a second boat. Come on, we need all the help we can get. This is incredible. We've never seen something like this. We're fishermen. This is incredible. Come on in. We have, look at all this money coming in. No one is going to believe us. Our boats are sinking. Bring it in. Wait a minute, this isn't about the fish. Jesus is on the boat, and it, and it becomes about Jesus and who he is. And we get more dialogue here as he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Simon is starting to make conclusions about Jesus. He sees the holiness of Jesus. He sees the otherness of Jesus. Jesus spoke something that made no sense, and fish filled the nets in a way that made no sense. And Simon sees that Jesus is not here about fish. He's showing them something about himself. And Simon gets it and says, I don't belong in your presence. You see, he leaves what's happening in the chaos of the fish to fall at Jesus' feet, to speak this to him. There's awe, there's worship as he falls to the ground. It reminds me of Isaiah when he's, when he's in God's presence, like, I don't belong to be here. I shouldn't be in the presence of a holy God. It reminds me of the burning bush when Moses is like, 
told to take off his sandals. This is holy ground with the burning bush. It reminds me of the holy of holies. You can't enter into it. It reminds me of the ark and them carrying it in the reverence for the presence of God. Here, Simon is like, man, I shouldn't even be here with you. It's so wild to me that Simon's response to Jesus is to push Jesus away. I shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be. We shouldn't be this close because he does not deserve that closeness. All the while, the purpose of Jesus doing the miracle in the beginning was to draw Simon to himself. At verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had already taken. That's what's driving the awe here. They know it doesn't make any sense. And it's not just Simon. It's his business partners. It's the other fishermen too. They're all looking at this and like, man, this this doesn't make sense. We've never experienced something like this. This has to be different. This is totally other than us. And this, this is a miracle. This is something of God. And that's when we get to verse 10. And it's the final, it's the second, and it's the final quote of Jesus. And it helps us draw some meaning out in what all of this is about. Look at verse 10 with me. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Twice Jesus speaks in this passage that is quoted. Once to push out of the shallow to catch fish in the deep water. And we saw the result of that. And the second time is to push away from their boats and leave all the fish that they had just caught to go catch men. It was never about the fish. Jesus is not just impressing these guys with being able to tell them how to catch more fish. Jesus is not just having fun out there. There was a reason, and it was to call these guys to something beyond catching fish, but being part of bringing souls into a way of following Jesus. I love that Jesus is personal here. He could have showed Simon this and called Peter to himself, or Simon, I keep saying Peter. He could have called Simon to himself any way that he wanted to, and yet he shows up on his boat with his methods, calling him to do something totally absurd and crazy in order to draw the link between, and I'm going to ask you to do something else that goes against all your plans and what you might think is next for you and something that might seem crazy or out of the ordinary, you're going to catch men. It's not about the fish. They obeyed the word of Jesus in the mundane task of catching fish, which opens their eyes to the opportunity to follow Jesus with their whole life. He says to them, do not fear. He has to tell them this because what they experienced just put awe in their hearts and fear because this was clearly not a man-made thing. Simon's at his knees telling Jesus to depart, and Jesus says, do not fear. Jesus calls Simon, there would be reasons for him to fear. When he calls us, there would be reasons for us to fear. 
for what we could lose or for what it change it means for us. For all the uncertainties and all the unknowns that we could look at within. Yet he says, do not fear because Jesus has a plan. Do not fear when it's overwhelming or life-altering. Do not fear. Catch men. The word here used could be translated men or women. So imagine how confusing it would be to them to hear, come catch humans. All right, man, I thought it was weird to like, tell me to fish during the day out in the deep. But now you're telling me to catch humans. Sounds a little strange. There's a part of it that doesn't make sense. It's a part of it that goes completely against their experience of what they had done all their life with their nets of catching fish. It changes their plans. It would be confusing, just like the first dialogue that Jesus had in the passage. And we know the outcome of the first dialogue, right? Put down your nets and what happened? Good happened. The impossible happened. Provision happened. A plan happened. And now it's going to be the same here as he speaks again and calls them again to fish again for something else. There is good that is there. There is provision that is there. There is a plan that is there even amidst whatever might seem impossible or like a sacrifice or a movement off what their plans were or what their experience says that they should do. The words and the calling of Jesus to follow Hear me on this very loud and clear because it sets up the rest of the series to follow. There's an element of it that does not make sense because it means to leave everything and it means to sacrifice and it means leaving a whole new way of life that you once, once had. It means new purpose and not ours. If the call of Jesus on your life here today is not seen by you as life-altering, life-consuming, plans potentially changing for call, it's probably not the kind of call Jesus had in mind when he calls you to follow him. They followed at his first request against all reasons not to, and now will they follow the next one? And the next one, the second one, the next question, that's the one that it's all about, right? It's not about the fish. It's about fishing for men. Will they put everything down and will they follow Jesus? They've already done all the crazy. Will they do this big one? Look at how the passage ends, verse 11. It says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. They left everything and they followed. You know what that means? They left the fish. This historic, mind-blowing, incredible abundance of, of, of wealth of fish. They leave everything, their boats, sons of Zebedee. Zebedee was a fisherman. This is second generation business, family business of fishing. They're leaving that and they're saying, we're going to follow Jesus. Their lives as, as they knew it just earlier that morning, all of it altered and changed for the call of Jesus Remember earlier, Simon said, when Jesus tells them to push out into the deeper water and let's go fishing out there, what does Simon says? He says, at your word. It's like, okay, I mean, I guess we will. And now here it is again. And all of it just has to be at your word. 
like, I mean, we saw it once. We saw the fish. I mean, okay, I, okay, this doesn't make sense. But now again, I mean, okay, I'll follow. Simon taking him at his word alone. Nothing else about it makes sense. Even their experience to put everything down and follow him, it goes against everything to follow. We have already seen today in the following, and the whole series is going to be talking about following and what it means to follow and hopefully break down some of our thoughts of what we think it means to follow Jesus in everyday life. Already, week one, we see this following means a putting down of something a change of something, a call to something else. We see it involves sacrifice. It's a whole life response. But I also want us to see something else. It also involves good. The sinking boats, the abundance of fish, it was a good thing. And they experienced that. I say that to say Jesus was right to call them out there and to do that. And so it will be now for them as they once again follow his words to be catcher of men and for it to be their whole life. It will be good. Listen, I, I say this about myself, and maybe you can resonate. Maybe this agrees with you here, but I think we want to hold on to our pursuits. I think we want to hold on to our dreams and our plans and our idea of good. And I think sometimes the temptation is to say, yeah, God, I'm following you, but don't let it, like, impact my life. Let me keep trying to provide the good for myself of what I think that that means. And, God, you, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm following you, but it might not mean, like, all of who I am, and I'm not really looking to alter everything. God does something good with a surrendered life to him that would be impossible for us to produce on our own. Do you see that? It, it already demonstrated that it was impossible for them to catch the fish like that. They couldn't produce that. And Jesus like, my words produce something that you couldn't do on your own. It's going to be the same with following me. At his word, will you trust his calling to follow him? Will you trust that it leads to good? That it would be better to follow him and follow his words than it would be to follow your plans and your words and your pursuits. So I got three questions as we close here today. First of all, what is it today that you must take Jesus at his word about? Is there anything that seems impossible, it seems risky, you feel afraid, you feel like maybe you've already tried it, your experience says, no, I have my own plans, but you really sense that Jesus has been calling you, God has been calling you to do this, he's been showing you that you need to do it. Will you today be able to submit that and say, but at your word, our idea of following must require the faith that is willing to walk towards what Jesus is calling us to based on nothing more than him saying it is the right way. Might not make sense. You might have all sorts of questions. But our following must require the faith that is willing to step out even with the uncertainty, even that is willing to pursue 
and do what he's calling us to do. Second question, and actually this has, I think, like two or three questions with it, so take it for whatever that means. Uh, can you look at your life and see a following that revolves around Jesus, taking Jesus at his word? Is your life ready to pursue that which involves sacrifice daily of all of who you are? Keep in mind, Simon left everything. I think we need to raise the bar, and I hope the series does it throughout the whole series. I think we need to raise the bar of what we mean when we say we're following Jesus. We say it a lot. I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow Jesus. And, and I just want to ask, has that meant everything in your life? Is this something that your life's pursuit is about this, or is it something that you pick up on Sunday mornings and bring to church with you? Is it something that you kind of lay down off to the side when you think about what entertainment that you choose? Is it something that has really no bearing of how you think about your relationship with people around you and, and, and your mission and purpose within the job that God has put you in? Like, is this a following that involves and consumes all of who your life is? Third, final question today. Can you take stock today of the good that has come from following Jesus? I'm willing to bet a lot of people here can say, yeah, I, I, like when I say following Jesus, I've put it down. I've laid it down. I've put it off to the side, everything else, and I'm following Jesus with my whole life. Can you just take stock today of the good? The things that you could never have produced or brought about in your life on your own, the, the sovereignty of God that he brought you to in the midst of the uncertainties and the questions and the unknowns, the good that has come from taking a step of faith and walking out and following God into uncertainty. Can you take stock of that today? And can we say, man, God is so faithful in that. He knew. I love a good story. All of this points to the impossible that they shouldn't have been listening to Jesus' words. And as they do with some of the more trivial things, and he shows his goodness, he asks them the ultimate one with all of who they are. And to step forward that, and it says they left everything and they followed. Are you willing for that today for yourself? Is that what your following looks like for you? I'm going to pray uh, now, and, and we're going to see what happens with this guitar. I don't know. Tommy, if, if it's not working, let's just do acoustic. Like, you could... I got a stool up there. This will be fun. This will be good. Um, I'm going to call the ushers forward. We'll receive our offering at this time as well. Let's go to prayer together. God, uh, we love you. We have so many reasons to be thankful. God, give us the faith that is required to step out. God, I pray that we would raise the bar of what it means to follow you, that it would be all of our life and what that means. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.